This is the Havila Cunnington Podcast, and I'm Havila Cunnington. Well, today is going to be a big day on the podcast, on my podcast, I should say, since it's really a one-man show. <laughs> it's me and my $20 podcast mic and my couch, and that's really what my life looks like when I get to talk to you. And I love my podcast because I get to explain to you, I guess, things I wouldn't get to share on a pulpit or maybe even in a, like a, a gathering. But it really is a time for me, the unplugged, the, you know, no pants wearing <laughs> Havala moment. And I'm always encouraged by your enthusiasm because you listen, you listen to these podcasts, you let me know because you post and you share them. And I'm always seeing something about this. So I love that. Thank you. Shout out to you. Uh, high five yourself. Uh, but today is a really big day on the podcast because I get to share something that I've been holding in my heart for quite some time. You know how you have something that you're not at liberty to talk about and you you sit with it and you hope to God that you don't overshare because I'm I'm like the classic overshare. Are you one of those that I can't help myself? The more excited I get, the longer the conversation, the more I just I share everything. <laughs> and then I, I go home and I think Brene Brown calls it a vulnerability hangover. I have like an overshare hangover where I just share way too much. And um, I have to go back and think, what did I actually talk about? And my husband graciously reiterates everything that I overshared. But today I'm not oversharing. In fact, I'm sharing something that I have been waiting to talk about for months and months, if not a year. And it really did begin about a year ago uh, where something began to happen in my heart towards my life. Um, I almost would say it was a year and a half ago where I started to feel like I was hitting a wall with all the demands that life had coming at me. Now that's kind of normal. I have four kids. We run two organizations. Um, I'm almost 40. I'm tired. You know, like it's really, it's real life to feel like your life's a blur. When you have littles, when you're hustling, that's normal. So let me not decode that I wasn't um, afraid of the hustle. In fact, I loved it. But there was something about my life where um, I was at full, full throttle, full cylinders. Everything was running at full capacity. And I remember the Holy Spirit challenging me one day. I'm not sure if I told you guys this, but he challenged me. He said, you know, Havala, um, you're not really being honest with those around you that are following you. And I thought, God, I'm being honest. I'm sharing my real life and I'm not hiding anything that's, you know, that you're, you're convicting me about. I'm, I feel like I'm being honest. And he said, well, what I'm saying is what you are presenting to the world is not a real, um, how do I say, it's it's actually not a real picture of what most women could do with their life. You see, you look like you are running to organizations and you have four kids under the age of, at, of nine at that point and you're writing books and you're traveling and speaking, but what they don't see 
is this massive team behind you making this happen. You have a husband who doesn't want to be in the spotlight, but loves supporting you. His number one gift is acts of service. You have a mom whose number one calling was to raise godly kids and has communicated that your whole life and takes all four of your kids for you on a weekend so you can travel and not only takes them, but loves them as her own, has a bedroom for them. I mean, just adores them. You have a church family that's empowering women. You have a personal assistant who does all of the other stuff that you can't get to. I mean, there's just a lot going on. And the Holy Spirit said to me, you're not presenting what an, a real woman that has four littles and has a working husband and has a ministry life really looks like. And so I want you to pull back. I want you to begin to look at your life as if you didn't have all those things. Um, what? what it would look like to live a healthy life. So I walked into my PA's office and just said, the Lord wants me to pull back. We need to cancel 50% of my speaking stuff. And I just need to like sit with it for a while, sit with myself for a while. And so we reached out to the communities that were having us that year. They, some of them were so gracious and let me um, back away and just begin to look at adding space in my life. Well, as I began to add space into my life, the Lord began to remind me of what I was doing, why I signed up. Like all of this stuff is so exciting and invitations and writing things and traveling and it's all exciting, but where, where was my original yes? What was I saying yes to God for? It all came from a yes. It all began with a yes. You know, a 17-year-old girl sitting in the backseat of a car found her yes. So what was my yes? And my yes was very much about living within my true call, living within the person that God called me to be on the earth as Havilah, who he saw and designed and created. And part of that was living not for the praise of man or even the demand of man, but living for God and being willing to say yes to who he created me to be, not just yes in the places I could say yes. And so I began this journey. Ben and I began to have conversations about what it would look like to live uh, fully in this call. And, you know, I got to be honest, I, I didn't, seek after being a leader for women. That wasn't my number one thing. In fact, women, the women's ministry growing up was nothing I was that interested in. I didn't like tea parties. I wasn't super foo-foo-y. And then after all that, I have like four boys. So just to solidify the lack of femininity in my life, <laughs> God stacks the deck with testosterone. And so I wasn't thinking women, but what I found as I began to write and preach and minister, I found that women weren't foo-foo. In fact, women were warriors. There was a lot of women out there that were entrepreneurs. They were business owners. They were doctors. They were um, you know, real estate agents. They were working moms. They were even ministry moms, but they weren't in ministry moms like sitting in the front row applauding their husband. They were in the trenches next to him helping in the same way that he was helping and serving in the same way and honoring in the same way. And so, so I began to think about women differently. And I began to think about solutions to helping 
other women that were like me. I had a full life. I had a full story. And I'll talk more about that in the podcast to come. But I had to go back to that reality that when I sat in Chris Fallison's office five years ago to take Moral Revolution, my first thing I said to him was, I have a call for women and I can't say no to that. So if you'll let me run Moral Revolution alongside of building the message that I have for the women of the, of the earth, will you let me do that? And he said, absolutely. And so we have continued to do that alongside of Moral Revolution giving our life to both the message of women and uh, the message of, of keeping women powerful and creating healthy identities, but also a healthy sexuality. And they both have grown. I mean, it's been amazing. God's been so good to us, not without effort, not without struggle, not without uh, any warfare, but God has been so faithful to us. And the message of both have grown, the message of moral revolution, healthy sexuality, and the message of truth to table, reaching the world from my kitchen table. Gosh, we've, we've done both. And God has been so faithful to us. But what happened is the momentum began to build so consistently and so intensely that there was a point about a year ago where I looked at Ben and said, I don't know how long I'll be able to do both. I would love to do both. I'm more passionate about both of the movements than I ever have been. So I don't, I'm not saying no because one is dying or one isn't, you know, alive in my heart. No, in fact, they're both just as strong, but I can't do both. And I'm going to end up hurting one of the movements as I get going, I'm gonna hurt one of them because I'm not gonna be able to give myself to both of them full-hearted as they grow. And then we begin to have hard discussions. What would it look like if we gave truth the table to somebody else? What would it look like if we gave more revolution over to the leadership of someone else? And really what it came down to was, what did God call Havilah? From the beginning of her life, what did he call her to be? and what's been within her and created. I'm talking about her in third person, not like she's that amazing, but I had to kind of look at that because sometimes in order to look at our lives as God sees it, we have to kind of step back from our own perspective and say, God, who did you create this person to be? <laughs> who did you create me to be? And what we found was that truth to table was not only my legacy, but truth to table was the legacy of our boys. Truth to table was not just one study here and one study there, one empowerment course here or one e-course here, but Truth the Table was the story and the message of my life, my parents' life, my husband's parents' life, the story of two people becoming one, the, the journey of two, a man and a woman and a family trying to figure out how to live as a Jesus follower on the earth today. And how do we empower people to do that? And that's what Truth at Table has and has become and is is and has become. I don't even know if that's proper English, but you know what I'm saying. That's what it is. And we began to dream, God, how do we how do we create Truth the Table to be something that we could one day see our sons a part of, our daughter-in-laws a part of, our grandkids, our friends, our community a part of? How do we do that? And God has been so faithful to us. He's continued to grow Truth the Table. But there was a point at the end of spring where we had a serious conversation about what we were doing. And 
we began to get counsel, counsel from our family, counsel from our counselors, counsel from our like life coaches and ministry partners, and just began to say, hey, we're exploring the idea of letting moral revolution uh, be led by someone else and us giving our full attention to truth the table. Now, of course, you know, part of the questions are, well, can we financially sustain ourselves? What happens when uh, we don't have that salary and we're on our own? I mean, that's crazy, right? We're not pastors. We don't have this, uh, you know, uh, thousands of people coming into our building every week and we're not getting that. It's just online. Can you actually have a lifestyle online? And then also traveling around the world, you know, do we still, how do we stay connected to our local church and serve our local church in a way that we are still covered and we're still connected? Because we are, we're, we're local church people. We believe in the local church and we're passionate about the message and the movement of the local church. So how do we do that? And we began to kind of unpack that. What's crazy is in April, uh, we invited our friends to come and speak for Moral Revolution at a AMT, which is an advanced minister's training. It's kind of like a breakout um, at Bethel, a school of ministry. We've never done that in five years. We have never invited someone from the outside to come and teach AMT. But I felt in my heart we were supposed to invite Cole and Kate to come and do an AMT and speak at it. So they, you know, graciously like got in their car, drove all the way up here, almost three hours and shared. And when they shared for that hour and a half, um, I just sat there and thought, wow, these guys are so anointed for this message. We went out to eat that day and they explained that they were in transition, but um, that they had already talked to their pastor and they were exploring other places within the country. Um, had even been invited a couple places to, to come and consider being pastors. And we, I didn't think anything of it. I thought, oh, that's awesome. They would be a gift anywhere. We got in the car and I called a friend of mine. I said, listen, this is so crazy, but what would you think about these Cole and Kate being the directors of More Revolution? And he said, I don't think that's a good idea. <laughs> in fact, I think they already have a, a job offer. Um, I don't think they would do it. I'm like, okay, no problem. I talked to Ben, Ben and I talked about it and we just put it away. We filed it away and thought we're never gonna talk about it again. We didn't know we were moving on at that point. But when we began to move on, um, a month or two later, started the conversation together. Um, we kept, their names kept coming up. And what's funny is Ben ended up calling them and what we found was that they had already, um, had been very serious about another church and had gone there a couple times and were ready to go. And we said, well, would you consider coming to Moral Revolution? And within four days, they had a full offer on their desk saying, come be a part of this other community. And they said, we were ready to go except for your phone call. And God began to work on their hearts. And um, I'm cutting to the chase, but they ended up saying, yes, they wanted to come and be a part of Moral Revolution. And so as of September 1st, Kate and Cole will take over Moral Revolution we will come alongside them to further the message of more revolution. We will not be on staff. We will not receive a paycheck from more revolution, but we will help serve that movement and we will go full time into truth to table. It's crazy. It's so crazy. What I want to do is take the next couple podcasts and just share with you what it feels like to be in this season. Because sometimes it, it sounds really fancy when someone says, God is transferring me and I just feel God's grace. Well, I want you to know it's, it's often not that fancy and it's often a little messier than that. 
And so today I wanted to start the journey with you. And this is what truth the table looks like. This is what more evolution looks like. We're not going anywhere. Bethel is our church. Bethel's our community. We believe in more evolution. We're hanging out with them. Uh, but I had to ask the question, what did God see Havilah on the earth? And I want you to know we are saying no to a ton of things so we can say yes to the very thing that God's called us to. And some of you today, truth is, you're never going to be able to say yes to the things God's called you to as long as you're saying yes to what everybody else wants you to do. So you're going to have to pull back and say, God, what do you want me to do? What did you see in me? Even as a little boy or little girl, what did you see in me? What did you create me to be? And sometimes momentum isn't the thing that God is putting his favor on. He's giving you momentum because he believes the message of what you're putting your hand to, but it's not the very thing that he's created you to do. So pull back, look at that, and see what God is doing. And we'll continue this conversation throughout the next couple weeks. I love you guys. Thanks for giving me some time. This is a little longer than normal, and you know that. Uh, but we'll catch up next time. Have a great day.